Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to the Living Writers Show. My name is T. Hetzel, and I'm sitting here today with Kristen Hirsch. Kristen, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Um, the show, this is actually uh, pre-recorded because Kristen's come to town to play at the Ark tonight, Thursday, the 24th. So hopefully um, some of you out there were at the Ark and got a chance to catch the show. And we're, today we're going to talk about... Maybe we're dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <Who> <laughs> um, let's all knock. I'm knocking on my head right now, radio. <laughs> um, but... Um, but we're going to talk about songwriting today, music and, and writing in general with Kristen, um, who I will now stop referring to in the third person. She's, <laughs> she's sitting here with us. I once had to borrow money from Kristen Hirsch to buy an amp. <laughs> oh, no. I had to call my business manager and ask permission to borrow money from her. Really? Like, yeah. Is that like the and name of the I, bank I, account? They made or me something? pay it back, too. Yeah, it's the name of an entity, not a guy anymore. I don't know what my name is now, but oh. I don't have as much money as she does, as it turns out. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, it's, uh, yeah, that's too bad they made you pay it back. It could have been just, it's you know. It's really too bad, yeah, because like I say, she's got more money than me. <laughs> oh, well, um, well, what did we just hear, Kristen? We just um, come to start the show. What, what one of your songs? That was Under the Gun. The one that used to be called Parrot Lady that you were just talking about. Yeah, and I, I thought we, we might kick off the show with that because of the there's a, a line in the song with the, the Parrot Lady by Lake Michigan. Yeah. Right? And yeah, it's, a, it's, it's not a good thing, though. <laughs> I don't usually bring it up here. Why? Why is that? Well, my bus broke down at Lake Michigan, and initially it seemed like a good thing because it meant I had the day off at the beach instead of having to cross the border. Uh, which is very difficult for American musicians, or me anyway. Uh, and then the, the beach turned out to be uh, just a real, a very dark place. There was a dead dog on it, and then, oh, which is, you know, that's a bummer anyway. And it looked like a pig. It, we had to get really close to it before we realized it was a dog. So we were next to a dead dog and wondering how... Was that, that with the family happens. too, or was that yeah, you was and my Billy? kids taking a walk oh, on no. the beach. <laughs> and they were confused you know how does that happen you throw a stick out to sea and you never see the dog again right because even in jaws you know the dog just doesn't come back doesn't yeah. wash and back on shore pretty much the worst part but it was um it was hairless and black and disturbing and then there is a seagull who is also dead and and surrounded uh by this arena sized like a like a coliseum of other seagulls footprints all around it Everyone had been sort of the gulls had been checking out the the lost one. It just looked Roman to me. It looked icky. Oh, well, as maybe if they had taken it out. I'm not exactly sure it wasn't that seagull's footprints because seagull footprints all look alike. Mm -hmm. But to us, yeah. Uh, but it was it was you know he had he would have had to run around a whole lot before he collapsed and died <laughs> in the middle of that circle, which is also creepy. And then we met the parrot lady, which was this lady walking parrots which is stupid anyway on leashes no on her shoulder because their wings mm -hmm. are clipped so they can't even fly they're not really getting much out of it and uh, we walked towards this lady because it looked cool bright colors and shiny objects attract us but when we got close we realized she was one of those pet people that talks to the pet and not you it talks to oh, you no. through the pet you know so she was talking to us through these birds and um one of them was saying, hello, hello, and parrots say hello, I know, and my kids thought that was cool. But then the lady started uh, saying, 
Poppy says hello. Poppy said hello for Daddy when Daddy couldn't answer the phone because he was dying of throat cancer. Oh, no. It was a creepy, creepy day. Sorry. Yeah, what are the chances? <laughs> no, that's the best way to start the Living Writers Show because we're living and even if the dog and the gull is not and who knows about the parrot lady now because that was a couple that was a few years a couple of years ago uh-huh. or when did you write? I don't, I don't even know anymore. It couldn't have been that long ago or it would have ended up on a different record. But Okay, right. I tried to erase the, the memory of the parrot lady. <laughs> but this was a way to probably get it out by including it in one of the things you're writing. <laughs> Exercise her demons. Yeah. I do find that people that confuse me end up in songs because the song can work out an impression um, within a construct much better than I can. I just see it as complete cartoon. And cartoons are funny and disturbing. And that's not as much fun to live with as something that can make a beautiful kind of organic sense and a song is very good at making organic sense of a confusing issue or being or sentence or weather (laughs) right well I think I think I had uh, read somewhere where you said um that the writing you don't know what you're going to write necessarily you you find out during the writing of the song is is that a good paraphrase of (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to write I don't know what I'm writing and I don't know what I have written quite honestly and I wish that had never gotten out I wish I had said back when I was a teenager and releasing my first few records that I don't know I put on my lucky bathrobe and sat at the piano with a rhyming dictionary and end of story never talk to me about it again but I told the truth and the truth is that I have absolutely no control over the process I hear the song. The lyrics are, in fact, phonetic melody. I spell the Mm. words wrong if I try to write them down because I haven't yet formed them into syllables that are infused with meaning. Not not with my brain, anyway. And I was a good speller. I was statewide champion, spelling Mm. bee champion. (laughs) I shouldn't be misspelling words. But it seems like it's coming from a different part of your brain, then maybe, or a different part of the room or the ether or something. It doesn't seem to be me, and I don't initiate the process, and I don't even complete the process. It's all something else, and I have to do it. In fact, I I liken it to seizure activity because there's a heightened awareness of what is beautiful and meaningful, meaning most necessary, and... My skin crawls. Uh, I feel um, I I get goosebumps, and if I don't write the song, I will have a seizure. And is that at the the that could be at any time, or was that is that what you felt like on the shores of Lake Michigan, for example, or it was later when you were trying to figure out there was something about the parrot lady that you were trying to sort out. That's my and then life, it- and I don't really care much about my life. I mm-hmm. don't infuse that with meaning any more than anybody else's lives, but. Uh, the songs, whatever they are, will pick and choose among my life pictures and use them to make their own point. And often they're much smarter about what I've been through than I am. And so I get to learn what they think about the parrot lady, which is usually more enlightening than what I think, which is... The surface whoa. thinking, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, crazy. <laughs> right. Which, you know, song wouldn't really involve itself in something like that because it doesn't judge an experience as positive or negative it judges it as um, intense or not. So whereas we 
have to live in the petri dish of humanity and move towards pleasure and away from pain, a song only cares about the experience given how intense it is, how strong your feelings are about it. And, and so each of the songs, it sounds like, is an entity of its own, its own thing, its own, very separate from you, is what it feels very like. Very separate from me. In fact, I think I'm the one person that shouldn't be analyzing them because the amount of focus it takes to play them, I think, necessarily means your your brain can't be involved because your brain's so busy and so upset and <laughs> and so right. distractible. Um, if I involve my brain in the song writing process or the song analyzing process, whatever that is, um, I think it would reflect badly on my later performance of that song. My brain would remember and go, oh, this is the one that's about this. And, you know, I, I couldn't focus anymore. That is really interesting because I would say, I obviously am just meeting you, Kristen, but the intensity that you bring to the performing of the songs on, on stage, I would think nothing would derail that, like no analytical thought that you would have about the lyrics. It's, it's but, not supposed to. Right. It, it's just it can, but I think only with a bad song, as it turns out, because bad songs make mistakes early on and never recover. There are songs I wrote when I was younger where the, the song will be going on and I just kind of start talking. <laughs> there are these beautiful images and it seems to be on its way to making a point. And then I say, it's really hot in here. <laughs> Wow, like almost really, like another voice coming in or just a Yeah. Huh. Because I didn't I didn't want to edit them or change them in any way and yet I saw it more as an automatic writing process than a listening one. So I kinda let myself go blah 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 in between what the song was trying to say. Now I think inherent in the process is a kind of editing that keeps me out of it. So when I play it, my brain doesn't have any business in there anyway, and it knows it. It just stays stays away. As you can see, watching me play, I don't blink. No, <laughs> I'm worried about your up. eyeballs. eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you're okay up there, right? You can assure us that the contacts are okay. Sometimes I'll turn around and, and have to blink at the the drummer a few times before I can see again but it's good not to be able to see because then you're you're in this sensory deprivation swirl and th that works too because I'm dealing with sound not, not visuals anyway right right <laughs> which which makes sense um the sound quality of like the lyrics because it sounds like you're getting the what you said is that you're getting the phonetic sounds before the actual um literal meaning mm -hmm. of words so it's almost as if it's really sort of um Im embedded or ingrained within th the melody or the the sound that's coming absolutely it's one of the instruments i hear within the piece and the shape of it is not lead guitar it's not piano it's not bass because um, those would those would seem very different to you. I'm sorry to sound so simplistic in my questions because I've I don't know about songwriting how you right. how you construct it and or, or orchestrate the song itself well, as it comes to you. Because I don't think about it that much. It's like someone is playing one of my records in the next room and it hasn't been made yet, and so I copy it down maniacally, <laughs> trying to get every piece because I 
as disturbing as I find the process, it is moving and there's an obsessive quality to what I do. I care more about music than almost anything else. It's as close as I get to religion. So I know when lyrics are beautiful. When they get stuck in my throat, I know they're they're flat or boring or they don't belong they're there. They're not alive. Exactly. Then. And those I I do away with. And what's left is infused with meaning forever and not just to me. Well, that's the goal anyway, is that it could be adopted by anyone else as their soundtrack and played in their car and played in their apartment. And honestly, that's the, the highest honor there is for it to be taken by somebody else. Well, let's let's have a little break on that note, Kristen. Um, you're listening to The Living Writers Show. My name is T. Hetzel, um, and this is Kristen Hirsch, who's speaking with us today um, on WCBN Ann Arbor. Welcome back to The Living Writers Show on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is T. Hetzel, and I'm sitting here today with Kristen Hirsch. Um, Kristen, what was, the, what was the name of the song we just heard? Day Glow. Day Glow. Oh, and um, this one I actually love, because um, uh, can you tell us a little bit about it? <laughs> or is that the that, worst question up, ever yeah. to ask? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's my favorite song on the record, I think. Um, and it is interesting because I thought I knew what it was about once. I thought it was about almost drowning the weekend Billy and I were engaged. We've been married 17 years or something. We were in L.A. driving back from Santa Barbara and jumped into the ocean. And I'm kind of I was raised on an island. I'm always jumping into the ocean. I, uh, and I'm a spaz. It was not unlike me to do this, but uh, I was immediately swept out to sea, just disappeared. Were there and any lifeguards or any? No, were you just this is L.A. Is, you're not even supposed to be swimming. It's ice cold and the waves kill you. 
Um, and Billy was in the water, too, and tried to grab me. He said it was like a, a sack of potatoes. And he, he, there was, and I only weighed like 90 pounds, but yes. he, he said there was absolutely no way to fight that, that strength. And I was gone. And what the, the waves do is, is push you under the water so you can't tell which way is up and which way is down. And it's beautiful. It's just green and it's violent. It's swirling and foamy and nobody else is there but you. And it's just this all-encompassing, you can't even call it a rage because it's nature that's doing it. I just thought it was the best place to be in the world. I didn't even want to know which way was up and which way was down. Can you hold your breath for a long time, though? Well, apparently not because my brain was kind of (laughs) losing it. And making up stuff like it's great down here. <laughs> right. By the sounds of it, Kristen. <laughs> it's a very rocky beach. It's a um it's a place you know where they um they see the Statue of Liberty and Planet of the Apes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so that's where I was. <laughs> where that's the Statue an awesome of Liberty was spot supposed to be. <laughs> to celebrate engagement. <laughs> exactly. And I was just dashed against the rocks, just slid across the sand. I was covered in blood oh. and uh, stood up and started laughing <laughs> I couldn't stop oh. laughing I think it was the first time Billy regretted asking me to marry him <laughs> you'd already said yes exactly. no take backs <laughs> yeah and I thought the song was at least referring to that which it does a few times mm-hmm. and yet it also seems to be talking about getting very very poor because of water like how water can mess you up and make you poor which makes no sense that no it does because water can really it's a it's a force of nature and it can take everything even a drip from a faucet right if it keeps going it could yeah yeah well i I didn't think anything of it at the time (laughs) but then katrina uh, Mm. where i made all my records in new orleans where all my friends are i used to live there and katrina just wrecked our beloved new orleans and then a week later while I was in London, my house flooded, my house in Ohio flooded, two floors flooded, the ceiling collapsed, we lost everything, the neighbors broke in and said they were pouring water out of the sound holes in my guitars. And, um, oh, no. It's, I mean, it happened to so many people this year, and uh, it wiped out our savings completely. We were living in our car after that, and we're still homeless and still living in our car and got very very poor and I'm, I'm not whining to say this it's no it's fascinating and it's almost freeing i don't know why i don't know if it's because you you just you don't have to decide what to buy anymore the answer is always nothing <laughs> no things right but it's been it's just been interesting and a lot of people went through it this year and i didn't lose my job or my future like a lot of people i know in new orleans did um, but so many of my friends have said, like, why didn't you listen to Dayglow? Why didn't you listen to Dayglow and get your pipes fixed before you left? <laughs> but how are you happened. to know about the pipes, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mary Margaret O'Hara was the first musician to tell me that songs don't involve themselves in linear time. And I didn't know what she meant then. I thought she meant that they can be adopted at, at any interval and still used as the scrim to view your life pictures for, through which is part of it, but I think she meant it a little more literally. At least it's turned out to be that way for me because songs that tell stories that I don't recognize will come back to haunt me, (laughs) and the story will happen quite literally. When I think there's some poetic license that the song has taken, it because for the most part they're very literal. Everything has happened to me. They're 
extremely autobiographical, except for the fact that I don't appear to be writing them. <laughs> right. And if I so can't, detailed. Yes. And if I can't follow the reference, I swear to God, it'll happen to me later on, even after the the record is out. Well, would that stop you from writing things that are because there's like dark references or things that could be construed as really hard like would you just say well I think I'll take that out of the yeah. song and then you know? keep it from happening yeah. I have tried to take things out of songs before um, because the songs can be a little harsh a little heartbreaking for the people close to me including bandmates and loved ones and it they won't let me do it the line will will haunt me the line will sing itself over and over and over again until and it will it's back not in the song let go mm-hmm. and the line that i replace it with will be flat and ugly and i can't spit it out of my mouth and the song is broken and i swear i think i'm smarter than the song sometimes and just say well it's just not good this is better and it, it won't let me do it so i just have to sit with it because thinking, it's not well, as true right i guess i i mean i gotta say yeah because whatever they are that's what i'm <laughs> i've gotta go with Oh, um, well, should we, um, shall we read a little bit or Kristen, would you like to read? You've got, um, the, the throwing muses, uh, um, .com. No, throwing music. I'm sorry. Yeah. The website okay. throwing com, And you've got a blog on there where you've, um, started, was it back in 2005 where you started posting? That sounds oh, right. I was, um, a reluctant blogger. They, <laughs> we have an excellent website and we've had it forever back when Throwing Music was around and the people kind of keep it going. Uh, it's, it's, it's good for musicians who don't want to bimbo out themselves or the music and don't want to play the game because you can reach people with, um, it's beyond the faceless printed word. It's it's out into the ether. Mm-hmm. And and that's very helpful if you want to reach the people who are as offended as you are by marketing to the lowest common denominator and, you know, the the corporate America deal that seems to be uh, so insulting to anyone who actually cares about music. Um, and so that, uh, that always just kind of went on by itself, and I was grateful for it, but I, I liked to stay out of it because that means that my stupid self isn't involved. You know, it's not my face and not really my name. It's them talking to each other about the experience of music, and I'm only here for that. I should be extremely invisible given that it's sound. <laughs> huh. And yet uh, there was a, a dead time. Well, 50 Foot Wave, uh, my new band, was on the road for two or three years, that, you know, it really wasn't giving anybody a chance to talk about anything unless the band was in their town that day. So Billy, um, my manager, uh, made me blog. And I, I really didn't want to, but it was, it was fascinating. It's, it's, it's not music. It's, it's still, it's actually me talking and it is a brain. But um, I found myself getting more and more honest as the blogs went on, a little too honest. I had to stop for a while and, and go into tour diary mode because it seemed... <laughs> so I, I, when you... The tour diary part, Kristen, is that... Because it seems almost a, not a different voice, but it se- there is something different about the tone of that and the the the, the ones that are more essays. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, I needed a break from, from the essays. People were starting to know me a little too well. Because, <laughs> yeah, they seem very true. And there's something like there's discovery. It seems like 
when you're writing them, it almost sounds like it's a it's a writer, a human being discovering themselves in the words. It's yeah, what, human being. Eh, I don't okay. know. <laughs> I shy away from that part of myself in public. I think that's the one thing that I, I shouldn't involve in the whatever little music business construct I'm I'm trying to be a part of. Um, but it's interesting. I, it's interesting. Writing is 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 beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it seems like your songs are are so beautiful, and and yet there's there's these um, the levels of sadness and 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 heartbreak within them, yet beautiful. Um, yeah, songs are good at making ugly beautiful, and um, they can make beautiful ugly. There's just no pretty anywhere, and that's so nice. <laughs> I love that songs don't involve themselves with pretty. <laughs> Yeah, although some people, I mean, luckily you you don't, but it, it seems like some musicians or or people making songs and records now they it is the pretty. That's almost what I would think of as more like the commercial yeah. pop sound, which is supposed to be pretty. Yeah, it's as I don't know. It's like comparing apples to candy, kind of. You couldn't really live on the candy, but people <laughs> have been trying to forever. Don't know an apple when they see it. <laughs> Well, Kristen Hirsch, you are an apple. <laughs> yeah. And so we will we'll go. Let's uh, we'll go to um, another one of Kristen's songs and take a short break, and we'll be right back with Kristen Hirsch. Welcome back. You're listening to The Living Writers Show on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is T. Hetzel, and I'm sitting here today with Kristen Hirsch, um, and she's playing tonight at the ARC, uh, but it's uh, it's Thursday, May 24th, so when you're listening to it, um, anyway, um, as I as I go on and on about the date, and we, we have 15 minutes left to speak with you. Um, so also briefly, I'd like to say thank you to, to Alex Belhaj for engineering the show today. Very much appreciated. Even though he wanted to take a bike ride instead. Well, hopefully he'll get the bike, bike ride. bike ride would have been so much better, too. Well, I think I'll still get to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, but this is a real treat having you here, Kristen. There's, yeah, this is unmatched. Thank you. 
and um uh, so, so we were talking a little bit about the website and and um, and how there's music available on the site that people can can listen. A- absolutely. To and- In fact, Fifty Foot Wave gives away its music because we were so offended by the idea of money coming between bands and um, potential listeners. And so far, people have downloaded almost uh, two million copies of the last two million. 50-foot wave record. Yeah, so we have an invisible little hit, and we're still starving. (laughs) But I'm going to heaven. (laughs) Yes, you are going to heaven, and hopefully things will come come back, come around, you know? Don't they say that what comes around goes around, and and you've had a a rough year by the sounds of it, and so things should be coming around. That's what I'm thinking. I've been waiting 20 years for things to come around. (laughs) This is your decade, Kristen Hirsch. (laughs) No, we feel very lucky. 50-foot wave is one of the best things that ever happened to me. It's um it's a wholly encompassing endeavor and quite a workout, quite a physical workout live, which is where the band really happens. So now when we play, the people that downloaded the music not knowing who the hell Kristen Hirsch was, which is so wonderful, they come to the shows and it's it's a completely different audience, not throwing muses, not Kristen Hirsch. They think we're kids from LA. Um it's wild. That is great. <laughs> yeah, so I just needed to to crawl into a van for three years and play math rock, and it was it was just perfect. It was we just feel very lucky. So you don't have to feel bad for me. <laughs> oh, I don't. Good. I, I don't. There's no way. There's no way I could. I I I think you're wonderful, amazing. So there's no yeah. Anyway, um, but hey, why don't you read us um part of one of the essays from okay. that that people could they could read this on the site um yeah this is this more, was i, I more believe on throwingmusic.com some are written for powells.com um but i think this is throwing music i'm just i'll read a little bit of it it's called walking in the dark it's been raining forever the sky is dark and it dumps water on us all day long every day how much water is up there anyway It's not that I mind it, really. It's just strikingly different. It isn't even weather anymore. It's climate. Or another planet. And I think I might have a walking problem. Now that the record is done and even the B-sides are recorded, I've got no reason to be in the studio, and I've been asked to lie low as far as touring goes by the record company so that the big tour, the one on the record release, will have more of an impact. So technically I'm off, which is a good word for it. Without work, I'm just a little off. Well, maybe a lot. I've been hearing this sound, like the industrial noise at the beginning of my song, Listerine. It's not unattractive, but since no one else seems to hear it, I'm wondering if it's really there. Which makes me want to drown it out. An iPod works really well for this. I listen to my friends' records and feel engaged and loved. My ears are full and so's my heart. But I can't sit still, so I walk. And walk and walk. I pretend I'm going somewhere, running errands, shopping, but I'm not. I get to the store and just walk by. This rain is not a cold rain. It's actually unusually warm. So I wear ludicrously unseasonal sundresses and walk around Portland drenched. First, I gotta look at screaming bus stop man. What he does is kind of horrifying. It's screaming. But he really throws himself into his work, and he makes me feel exceedingly normal. Then I tend to get lost, because if I see a squirrel, I move towards it. 
If I see a human, I avoid it. My only real criteria for walking. And people are everywhere, as it turns out, so I'm forever spinning on my heels. Lost is good, though, because it means I get to walk more. Thank you, Kristen. And, and if you'd like to hear, uh, uh, well, read the rest of that, you can, because there's a bit more to that one essay. And so check out the throwingmusic.com, their site, to read more. And uh, Kristen, so, so moving, uh, are you moving towards creating a collection of essays or perhaps a book? Is there, is, would that be in your future? It's supposed to be. Again, um, uh, I'm reluctant when it comes to doing anything other than music. I'm very, very shy, and I don't feel like a creative person necessarily. I don't think mm. I would do a dance or paint a picture. I was, uh, I used to be smart. <laughs> um, <laughs> used to be. <laughs> I could read when I was two, and I started college when I was 15, and I was a biology major. Everything was going to be it was going to make sense and the math was going to work out and the music happened and then I uh I lost it a little bit with the music I couldn't I couldn't really do much else and now I'm I'm used to that I'm settled into it a bit but um I miss everything making sense <laughs> so when when people ask me to do things that imply I'm just a creative person uh, that needs an outlet. I, I kind of balk at that. I've had many publishers come to me over the years and say, well, where's your book? We want to publish it. And I think, well, that's a really offensive thing to say. Uh, the people aren't the, saying that to, you know, the uh, 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 fiction writer. To they don't writers, go say, where's your exactly. band? Get on the road with your band. They do that with paintings, too. They say, well, we have an art gallery and we want you to show your paintings. <laughs> I'm like, why would I do a painting? Why would I know how to do that? What about all the painters in this world want to show their paintings. But uh, in Portland, which uh, they say they're a music city, I didn't really see that. I saw them as a literary city. And they are obsessed with writing. I did readings, and I don't have a book. I swear to God, I don't have a book. So I Not read yet. the blog. I didn't know what else to do. And then I blogged for Powell's, and there is a collection of essays now. And I do care about what they say. It's not music, but um, Billy is putting together a, a tour that involves music and essays. Of course, not him. It's got to be me again, which makes me super shy, but that's supposed to be the next thing I do. I'm going to need a big, fat 50-foot wave break after it. I have oh, to yeah. crawl right back uh, in the math rock van. Right. Yeah. <laughs> How is the writing... Well, how is the structure different then? Because when you're, you're writing, then uh, when you're writing the essay, we'll say... Um, how quickly are the words coming at you, or how how much aware of the construction of it? Are you? <laughs> I'm retarded. No. I write the same sentence over and over and over again. I'm not not in a list, but I write it and then fix it and then fix it again and fix it again, so that every sentence is as clear and concise as it could possibly Before be. Before you move to the next sentence. Yes. Wow. So it takes forever. And it hurts my back. And like I said, I'm a spaz. I don't like sitting. I like music is it's muscular and you have to be noise. Yeah. Right. And you have to be in some other place in a garage or a, a warehouse or to make it and I'm just like sitting there going tap, 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 tap. I don't like it at all. <laughs> but, but it's, you know, I care about human beings. We're, we're social organisms and this is a, a social endeavor. So it's yeah. interesting. 
and to in a way into discovery too. I keep I don't mean to keep harping on that this whole no. time. I feel like I'm, I'm pushing that. No, it's true because they they do kind of make their own points too. Because you want again, you want the math to work, mm-hmm. and they always kind of come back around. And they they do make a point that I wasn't aware that the essay was making when I began writing. Right. Um, well, this is a little off off track, but I was wondering when you're touring with the songs, is there um, are there moments where you can feel the song? Uh, is it changing? Like, are there moments of revision? I guess, is, like in writing, sometimes even if you have a poem printed out in a, a publication or a book, you still might be fiddling with it. It mm. might evolve in a different. I suppose it's possible if you're touring with a band that has to kind of jam through its own production style if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. because you want the presentation to reflect the album's production unless you're deciding to take it in a different direction and it's it can be quite a steep learning curve for the people involved you have to learn your own sound put it together with the record sound and hope that it isn't controlled chaos (laughs) you hope that it's something um I don't know, musically incisive. You know, you have to be able to grasp it in the audience. Uh, and in that, in that case, uh, in the first few months of a tour, you will begin to realize how best to do that. But I, I'm, I'm just—I just happen to be a, a kind of musician, musician that thinks there's one right answer. And once I get that, I don't see any like need math. to play a different. Right. No, yeah. And, it's like this is the best note. <laughs> and with lyrics too, but but you you don't separate. Like it's uh, it's obvious to me now listening to you that you you really you don't separate the lyric from it's it's another it's the instrument running through is the yeah. lyric. I've so had, the, I have sat across a table from journalists be there like you're delivering that and in whatever they're getting from the lyrics even if they're making up their own yeah so the music it. helps create the impression that the lyrics are supposed to create it's i have that going for me whereas if i were trying to be a poet um i don't think i would be very good <laughs> no i i actually typed out some of the songs just to see what because the phrasing seems like there's um the pacing and the, mm-hmm. the way it looks on the page, many of the phrases look this. Have you ever? That's good seen to know. Sometimes way? they look goofy. I don't no. actually write them down, but uh, the record company will, and then they'll send them to me and have me say, you know, yes, that's what I'm saying, or no, it's not. And often it's fascinating. I'll know by the sound of it and how it feels in my throat that that's what I'm saying. But I didn't really 
hear the 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 beauty of the the point of the song, I guess. The, <laughs> you the know, sound, the, the it can be very quality. lovely. <laughs> right, of the words themselves, right? Yeah. The sound quality, which which is how poems would operate. Exactly. But, so so you don't you never write the song down, ever. Not unless I have to do. Uh, it's like production work in the studio where you have to take a, you know, one syllable at a time and organize a vocal that way. But um, no, I don't it's like just to. all in your I, head. Because then it's on the paper and not part of the, um, I don't know, a song works like a syringe to me and brings about these, these past experiences, or at least the chemicals associated with them. And if it's on a paper, it seems removed from that for me. It's not in my bloodstream anymore. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Really, you can. I think it, that sounds crazy to me. No. <laughs> well, then let's just both be crazy today, all right? <laughs> and then Alex can have his bike ride. Right? <laughs> no, just leave the tape running. Go for your bike ride. <laughs> um, well, we're actually. We're, I think we're starting to kind of head towards the the end of the show. Um, is there anything you'd like to say about the the last song? Like what 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 are they what are what are we gonna leave folks listening to as we this head out? This is Wild Vanilla. Well, this is a nice one. It's it doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. Well, I played a, um, on a lot of NPR stations um, to on doing press for this record. I guess now I'm adult all of a sudden because <laughs> you're on NPR. Yes, <laughs> and they of course you know they sit you down and they say like. Do not say anything political. There are 150 million listeners. Don't swear and you know, don't move. And it's it's um, going up on the website too. So the whole thing is filmed in front of a big picture of me. It's all. It sounds very comfortable. Yeah, I know. And and then I think, well, did you listen to the record because mm-hmm. you wouldn't like it? Why am I here trying to choose a song? impossible because it's either the sounds will offend them or the screaming will offend them or the lyrics will offend them this one is really nice but there's a swear in it is that not well you, you'll fade it before it comes up right yeah we probably don't okay. have we probably can't this is Too the bad. one i kept bringing to npr and going oh you like this this one's nice it's got a little jazzy solo you'll get it nice beat you can dance to it and then uh billy would have to <laughs> cough over, over that so, one yeah. the one part after the instrumental turn it down but, oh yeah wild vanilla is what it's called <laughs> <laughs> well this is great thank you so much for being here Kristen hirsch thanks um, for having me and uh and yeah, the, I think take the fight to them. Don't ever let them say you can't have any of that stuff in there. And um, uh, this is the Living Writers Show. My name is T. Hetzel. Uh, Alex Bell Hodge has been our extraordinary engineer of the day. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, Kristen. Sure.
Hi, this is T. Hetzel. I just thought I'd have a few words live. Um, you've been listening to Kristen Hirsch, and she was here last week in town at the Ark last Thursday on tour with her new album, Learn to Sing Like a Star. Um, so I just wanted to mention that in case you all were looking for some of the music uh, that you heard today. Um, also, if you have any questions or comments about the show, um, you can, if you have a question about like the, the artist or, or something that you heard, and, and I didn't repeat it again or, or something, um, you can email us at fm at wcbn.org. Um, let's see. Thanks for listening today. And thanks to those streaming us in Florida and Seattle. And thanks to Chaz Barrett. Thanks very much, Chaz. Um, we'll go out now with another song by Kristen Hirsch. It's her song, Listerine, that she mentioned in the interview. I'm T. Hetzel. You've been listening to The Living Writers Show. Until next time.
stairs It's like he's splitting hairs I'm a wreck when he's here I swear Fill a glass Up with shiny tacks I'm feeling sharp This is Free Speech Radio News. It's Wednesday, May 30th, 2007. From KPFA in Berkeley, I'm Brian Edwards Tiekert, sitting in for Out of Bogato. President Bush announces his pick to succeed Paul Wolfowitz as head of the World Bank. Congress members and business leaders descend on the hemisphere's only communist nation for trade talks. And President Bush requests $30 billion to continue his HIV-AIDS program. Some critics are worried about how he'll spend the money. Those stories and more, but first, these headlines. I'm Sharon Young with today's headlines. Thailand's Constitutional Court today ruled to disband the Thai Rock Thai Party and bar more than 100 of its members from participating in electoral politics for five years. The party had been in power in Thailand until a military coup ousted Prime Minister Thaksin Shinawatra last year. The court found Shinawatra and his party guilty of violating Thai election laws. Thousands of troops are on hand in Bangkok, and the interim prime minister has threatened to impose a state of emergency in the event of political unrest. In Somalia, the security situation has further deteriorated today with an attack on a convoy of Ethiopian troops in the central part of the country. A number of civilians were killed after a roadside bomb injured Ethiopian soldiers. Abdurrahman Warsame reports from Mogadishu. Ethiopian soldiers killed at least four civilians and wounded dozens more when the 